0: participate okay how many of you have ever had a bad experience raise your hand <laughs> is that everybody i don't know victoria how about you, you ever had a bad experience <laughs> susan cj you guys ever had a bad experience i want to talk a little bit tonight about learning and growing from bad experiences You've said you've had a bad experience. We've all probably experienced a bad experience. There's some things that we have to realize and understand. So I want you to get a notebook. I want to get, get, get a pen because I'm going to give you some things tonight. And I really believe that there's some here tonight that really, this is for you. God has orchestrated your steps. He's brought you in here. And and this is just really something that you're going to get a hold of. We're going to turn to Genesis chapter 37 and we're going to talk and read about Joseph. Ben Franklin had a quote. He said, the things that hurt instruct. The things that hurt instruct. That's a quote by Ben Franklin, and we've all had some times and difficulties in our lives and experiences that are good, but experiences that were bad, and we've said, Lord, why us? Let's just look at the life of Joseph here. If you, if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 37, I'm just going to just follow along. We're just probably going to read it. Now, Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned and in the land of Canaan. And these are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers while he was still young, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now, Israel, who was also named Jacob, Israel loved Joseph more than all the sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a multicolored tunic, multicolored coat. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the other brothers, so they hated him, and they could not speak to him on friendly terms. Joseph had a dream, and when he had told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, please listen to this dream which I have had. I've got to thinking about sometimes dreams. When Joseph gets done with this, you're probably going to realize and understand that you may not need to tell your dreams to everybody. Verse 7, he says, he said, listen to this dream which I've had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? Are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more with his dreams and for his words. Now, he had still had another dream and related it to his brothers, and he said, Lo, I've still had another dream, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. And he relented it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him, and he said to him, What is this dream that you've had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come and bow ourselves down before you to the ground? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept saying in his mind kept the saying in his mind. Verse 12, then his brothers went to the pasture for their father's flock in Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come and I will send you to them. And he said to to him, I will go. And he said, go now and see about the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flock and, and bring word back to me. So he sent him to the valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem and a man found him. And behold, he was wandering in the field and the man asked him, what are you looking for? And he said, I'm looking for my brothers. Please tell me where they're pasturing the flock. And the man said, they have moved from here. And I heard them saying, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and he found them at Dothan. When he saw him in a distance, his brothers saw him in a distance. and, And before he came close, they plotted against him to put him to death. Now, I want you to know that, I believe many of you probably have read this, but some of you may not have, but Joseph is fixing to have a bad experience. And they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. I mean, he's got his brothers after him. Now then, come and let us kill him, let us throw him into one of the pits, and he will say a wild beast, we'll say a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what he'll become of his dreams. But Reuben heard this and he rescued him out of his hands and he said, let us not take his life. Reuben further said to them, shed no blood, throw him into the pit for it's it's in the wilderness, but don't lay any hands on him that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. Reuben had a motive. I think he was he was feeling sorry for his younger brother and he probably uh, had a compassionate heart. Verse 23, so it came about when Joseph reached his brothers and they stripped Joseph of his tunic, of his very colored tunic, his multicolored tunic that was on him. And they took him and they threw him into a pit. Now, the cistern, it, it had stairs in it. They would fill it with water. They would allow the water to run in it. And a lot of times they they would, stairs would, would be in a um. A spiral pattern, and you could actually walk down in these cisterns. These cisterns sometimes could be built a hundred to hundred and fifty feet deep. The Bible says this one here was actually dry, but that's how they stored water, and they were able to receive water when and during times uh, when they didn't have much rainfall. He says so they te- took him, took him, and they threw him into the pit, and the pit was empty without any water in it. Then they sat down to eat a meal. And as they raised their eyes and looked, behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead, and with their camels bringing aromatic gum and balm and myrrh, and on their way to bring them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What profit is this for us to kill our brother and cover up the blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers listened to him. Then some Midianites Midianites, traders passed by, and so they pulled him up, and they lifted Joseph out of the pit, and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Now, we see that he was thrown down into the pit. He was beaten up. They took his coat. You know, it was probably a coat that I'm sure he dearly loved. His father had given him. It was a special gift for him. They took that from him, and they threw him down. They beat him up. Anybody have any older brothers? Raise your hand. They ever beat you up? Leave your hand up. Okay. I got an older brother. He beat me up. Threw me around. Took my coat. Threw me down in the pit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, guys. I, I didn't end up in a cistern. But he says, he said that they, uh, now Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit. And he tore his garments, and he returned with his brothers, and he said, boys, he's not there. As for me, where am I to go? So they took Joseph's tunic and they slaughtered a male goat and they dipped it in the tunic of blood and they sent, sent the very colored tunic and brought it to the father and said, we've found this. Please examine it and see if it's your son's tunic or not. And he examined it and he said, this is my son's tunic. A wild beast must have devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. So Jacob tore his clothes and he put sackcloth on his loins and he mourned for his son many days. Then all of his sons and his daughters arose to comfort him But he refused to be comforted, and he said, "Surely I will go down to Sheol in the morning, and in mourning for my son, for this father is for his father wept for him." Meanwhile, the Midianites sold him to Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer and the captain of the bodyguard. We see a position here where he's had a really bad day. He went out to see his brothers. First of all, you know, I don't know how many in the course of a day or a week this took, but he uh he actually told his brothers that uh, he had this dream and that they were going to bow down to him, and they really didn't appreciate that very much. So he had one strike against him, and then he had he went and had another dream and you know, you would have thought after the first dream, he wouldn't have told them about the second dream. But he told him about the second dream, and he did that anyhow, and I'm sure that built up some animosity between the brothers. And and then he was, you know, how many of you know he was at home, and they were out tending the flock, and I'm sure there was probably a lot of conversation in the fields that he's at home, and they're out here, and what's going on there. And so Joseph comes out to them to check on them and see where they're at and what they're doing, and, you know, I'm sure he was nicely dressed in his multicolored robe or his coat the bible calls it a tunic also he was nicely dressed in that and he came out so they plotted and they they were going to kill him it's a good thing he didn't ended up didn't end up dead but then they they beat him up took his coat threw him down in the cistern and then they decided ah we can make money off this deal <laughs> so they pull him back out and they sell him to the ishmaelites and they take him to egypt and he goes to egypt and Things are beginning to, you know, be pretty bad because they drug him out and and they sold him. And I don't know if you've ever experienced being sold. I have not. I can't imagine what it's like, but I'm sure it's very degrading. I'm sure it's it's very, I'm sure you feel shame and embarrassment. He felt these different things and Joseph was brought in and he was sold to Potiphar. And some of you know the story. We're going to get to it here in just a minute but I want us to learn from bad experiences. And I want us to look just briefly tonight at the life of Joseph and see the experience in which he had. He had a bad experience. He had a bad experience with his brothers. So I want to give you some things that I think will help you tonight. Can we do that? I want want us to begin to look at some things, and I want us to realize that bad experiences are going to happen. We've got to learn and grow from bad experiences. Say this. Say, I have to. Learn and grow from bad experiences. I mean, bad experiences are going to take place. Look, if you don't encounter a bad experience, I would say you're not doing anything. And some of you all might encounter a bad experience on the couch, not doing anything. The leg may break or you might spill your pop or something. Come on. Let's take a look at this. I want to give you some things tonight. There's going to be eight different things I just want to share with you tonight. Number one is what caused the failure? What caused the failure? Was it a situation? Was it somebody else? Or was it yourself? And some of you may have been in business. Some of you may have tried business. Maybe you're in business now. Maybe you've gone through some things. I know people that have, you know, I read this book, and a lot of the the millionaires actually had filed bankruptcy. They weren't afraid to take a risk. And as you begin to look at this thing and you realize there are some issues and stuff that we've dealt with, we want to know what caused it. What caused the failure? Was there a situation that happened that caused the failure? How many of you think maybe Joseph's big mouth might have caused some failure? Yeah. Yeah, he might have opened his mouth too many times and said too many things to his brothers. That might have been what caused his failure. Was it him or was it somebody else? Because other people can cause your failure. Where did things break down? Think about an issue that you had in your life that you might have felt that was a a failure type of deal. Did you get into a no-win situation? Did you get into a no-win situation? Did another person create the problem? Was it somebody else's lack of faithfulness that created a problem? Was it somebody else that began to do something that created a problem? I mean, what was it? How about you? Did you make a mistake? Was there something you did that you might have made a mistake that maybe you could have looked at? As we begin to relate this to Joseph, I always realize and understand that any kind of process in which we go through, there's a learning process, and and we need to be able to identify the cause of a problem. A lot of times we just push it under the rug and say, there's not a problem. It'll be okay. God, you'll take care of it. You know, it'll be okay. And then we just leave it, and it it turns out to be something that could cause failure in your life. Let's look at number two. Number two, was what happened truly a failure? If you've been through some things, is what happened truly a failure? was it an experiment? Thomas Edison had over a thousand experiments before he invented the light bulb, and he never said he failed once. They interviewed him, and here's what he told them. They said, well, you know, you failed a thousand times. He said, no, those were experiments. He blew up his shop. He blew up his shop, and they said, well, I guess that that, experiment, that was a failure, and he said, no, that was just an experiment that didn't work out. So think about this. Was it truly a failure, or maybe you fell short? Huh? Maybe you fell short. I read this book by John Maxwell called Failing Forward because you want to learn something through failure. So you want to fail forward. You want to continue to move forward. You want to continue to go through these these issues and learn something from it. So what was it? Was it something that you might have just... Had fallen short, maybe. So if you determine whether or not it was really a failure or not, maybe it wasn't really a failure. Maybe it was an experiment. Maybe it was a learning experience, but you didn't fail. Maybe you learned something through it, so it really wasn't a failure. Maybe you might have had something called unrealistic expectations. I mean, there's sometimes people will start a business and say, you know what, I'm going I'm to open my own business. And this next year, I'm going to be a millionaire and maybe a bazillionaire. That's an unrealistic expectation. If you look statistically what it takes to build a business, most businesses fail within the first five years. You maybe had an unrealistic realistic expectation. Maybe you thought you'd hang your sign on, you know, out on the street and everybody would see it and come in. And nobody came. Maybe you decided, you thought, well, you know what, I can do this, you know, and and you don't plan, you don't read, you don't study, you don't let the Spirit of God lead you into that area, and maybe you've fallen short, maybe you've failed. Maybe you had an unrealistic, unrealistic expectation. Let me give you number three real quick. What successes are contained in the failure? Another question that you might ask yourself is, what successes are contained in the failure? Let me put it this way. You need to look for the gem in the failure. There's a a gold nugget there. Although you may have failed, although there may be some issues that that you've not felt you succeeded, but there's something there. There's a a gem. There's a gold nugget. There's, There's something there that you can say, you know what? It was all worth it because look at this. Number four, what can I learn from what happened? One of the things I think we need to understand is we need to maintain a teachable spirit. We've got to be teachable. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Yeah, I'm talking about you because you're teachable. You're wanting to learn. We've got to maintain a teachable spirit. What can we learn from what happened? What well, what did I learn from it? Well, I learned I'm not going to trust this person, or I learned I'll never do that again, or I learned I was over my head, and I learned, you know, you can go on and, on and on and on and on and on and on and on again. We need to maintain a teachable spirit. We need to maintain a teachable attitude. The Bible, I think, says don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. There are times where you think you got it all figured out, <laughs> You know, and sometimes we think we got God all figured out. What was it? I heard a term that I'm all that and a bag of chips. You know, that's it's one of them youth terms, I guess. I guess I've got to have a, a teachable attitude. I've got to maintain some things. Turn with me to Genesis. We just flip over to ver- chapter 39. I want to read a little bit more Scripture. I'm going to read verses, well, 1 through 4. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. I underlined that in my book. The Lord was with Joseph. So he became, what's your say? A successful man. Prosperous man. What other? Anybody else got anything else on a different version? Successful or prosperous? The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that what he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. And he made him an overseer of his house. And all that he owned, he put him in charge of. Woohoo. Joseph obviously was teachable. In the midst of a failure, at the midst of being sold, bought by Potiphar, Joseph must have remained with a teachable attitude and said, God, teach me. God, show me what I need to do. God, you know, he he was a servant. Potiphar saw it. He saw something within him, and he saw where the Lord was with him. Now, I want to be known like a Joseph. So somebody can say, the Lord's with you. Something's going on because the Lord is with you and he saw that and he put him in charge of his household and i'm talking about he he began to start now experiencing some success how many of you know you can experience some success and then all of a sudden you can run into a failure yeah and some of you know, and you can continue to reading on your own time. But you know what? You get into this, and you get an understanding, and you realize, and you say, wait a minute, Joseph himself started having some success. He was running the whole household of Potiphar. I mean, he was the top notch. He was the head servant. He ran everything. The Bible says that Potiphar didn't have to worry about anything except for what he ate. <laughs> I would like to get up in the morning and go, Everything's got it good. I wonder what I'm having for breakfast. Everything's pretty good. I wonder what I'm gonna have for lunch today. Oh man, I don't have to worry about anything. I wonder what's gonna be for supper tonight. And that's 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 the attitude that that he had that Potiphar had with Joseph. Let me give you number five. Am I grateful for the experience? am i grateful for the experience somebody can say are you nuts i failed and you're asking me am i grateful for the experience when you when you come away from failure i think there has to be an attitude of gratitude because it could have been worse But what are you getting from it? What am I gaining from it? Abraham Lincoln failed 16 times before he was elected President of the United States. Think about that. Some of us would have quit after the first time. You begin to cultivate a sense of gratitude, a sense of gratitude. Number six, how can I turn this into a success? If you've dealt from a bad experience, how can you take this bad experience and turn it into a success? I think the the terminology is how can you make lemonade out of lemons, right? Anybody heard that? Yeah. How can you make lemonade out of lemons? Can you take what you've learned and can you profit from it For the next thing that you do? Can you grow and say, I needed to learn something here? Number seven, you might want to ask yourself, who can help me with this issue? Pride sometimes comes in and you got it all figured out. But maybe you need to find out, who can help me? Who can help me with this issue? I'm going to relate back to Joseph here. Joseph was in Potiphar's house. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase. Joseph was in Potiphar's house, and he, the Bible says he was a handsome, good-looking guy, and Potiphar's wife, can I say this? She just had the hots for him. Is that okay? She wanted him, and she pursued him, and he he was a man of God. He said, no, 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 no. He said you don't understand. Potiphar's entrusted me with everything. Everything he's got, he's entrusted me with it except for you. And I'm not going to I'm not going to disobey God. He didn't say I'm not going to disobey Potiphar. I'm not going to displease Potiphar. I'm not going to do it because God doesn't want me to do it. And he came in and and she grabbed him and he took off running and lost his tunic. She started screaming lied, that he had tried to make an advance to her. Potiphar found out about it. How many of you know it became a bad experience for Joseph? And he wasn't even guilty. But it was a bad experience for him. So he's put in jail. And I'm thinking he might have said, I wonder who can help me with this issue. Because there was a cupbearer and a baker. Two guys in jail that Pharaoh had, they got sideways with him, and he had put him in jail. And they had this dream, and and actually, um, Joseph was over them, taking care of them. So you could see him rise up even in jail. He rose up to a leadership position, and he was over the cupbearer and that, and he attended to their needs and things of that nature. And they came, and they were downcast one day, and he said, you know, you're not looking too good. What's going on? They said, well, we had this dream last night, and he began to share with them the dream. (laughs) Now, Joseph wasn't sharing his dream. They were sharing their dream to him and God gave him the interpretation of those dreams and he shared those interpretations with those dreams but he told the two he said when you're well one was going to be restored and one was not but he said when you when you're back to the king when you see the king again you're going to your term's going to be up you're going to go back to the king you're going to go back to pharaoh he said you tell him about me so who can help with the issue who can help with this failure that you may have stepped through this bad experience that you may have had, who can begin to help? And Joseph thought, well, the you know, the the baker and the cupbearer could help. The Bible says two years later, <laughs> Pharaoh had a dream, and it was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The I believe it was the, the baker, I think, wasn't he the one that was he was killed, right? And the cupbearer was restored. Okay. So the cupbearer was the one that was like, hey, I know this guy that can interpret dreams. Who are, you going to, who are you going to ask to help you in this issue? Are you going to seek some advice? Here's one thing I want you to remember. Seek advice from somebody who's been able to handle failures in the past. What? Seek advice from somebody who may have already been there. They may have had a bad experience and they've overcome this bad experience and now they're walking in victory. Amen. Somebody that may that's got experience in dealing with that bad situation, that may have learned something from it themselves that can help you. Let me give you number eight. Where do I go from here? I've had a bad experience, I've dealt with some different things. Where do I go from here? How do I turn this bad experience into a good experience? How do I learn something? How do I grow? How do I get over the hurdle? How do I get past the barrier? Of failing. You haven't really learned anything until you've taken action to overcome it. It's kind of like there's a biblical principle that says faith without works is dead. In other words, there's got to be some action. Show me your faith. I'll show you my works. You with me? So there's got to be some action to that. So as you've gone through some things, as you've had some bad experiences, as you've dealt with some issues in your life, were you able to overcome the situation? Are you still reeling from it? Are you still staggering because it happened and it happened 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago? Or were you able to learn something from it and begin to step forward into success. Somebody say success. I just like the sound of that word. Say it again. Anybody again? Say it one more time. Success. Success. Here's what I want you to understand. You are only a failure if you say you're a failure. Let me say that again. You are only a failure if you say you're a failure. You're the one that determines whether or not you're a failure or not. Thomas Edison? Thomas Edison? He wasn't a failure. You with me? You determine that. You determine if you failed. You're the one that says, hey, you know what? I may not have done it. It it didn't work out for me. But I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow from this experience. I'm going to learn from this bad issue, this bad experience. And sometimes you'll say, I'm not going to let it happen again. But then you might step into the same thing, and it happens again. You're like, I wasn't going to let it happen again. How did it happen again? Because you didn't learn anything from it, or there wasn't any action to what you learned. Some people step out of a bad relationship, step right back into a bad relationship, and they think, well, here I am again. Some single women long for a, an affectionate man. They go to the bar, and they get him one. They just get they just came out of a relationship where the guy beat him, didn't treat him with honor, didn't treat him with respect. Are you with me? Come on, don't shout me down. Then they go find another one, and guess what happened? Same thing. Exact same thing. They're into another bad experience and they're going, Oh, I can't believe it. How did it happen again? Well, if you don't learn something from it, guess what? After your he's done with you, and you go find another one, you're gonna run into the same thing again. But we want to learn from these bad experiences. It's not the problem that I'm going through it. It's what I'm going to learn from it while I am going through it. There was a song by a. If you catch hell, don't hold it. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. If you catch hell, if you catch hell, don't hold it. If you're going through hell, don't stop, don't stop. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Don't stop. Go ahead. So you know, my, you might be in the middle of it, but don't stop and look around. He's going to take your head off. You keep moving. You keep going through it. One time, somebody said I got knocked down, and what'd you do? I said I emptied my pockets. I said, why'd you empty your pockets? I said, well, when I got back up, I figured I might as well just get everything back up out of my pockets too to make my trip worth being down there. I said, okay, I guess you learned something while you were down there, you know? I thought about it, and I thought, it's interesting. I heard another guy say, when I got knocked down, what'd you do? He said, I don't know, I found something to pick up when I was down there. So he was wanting to learn from it, is what he was saying. While I'm down there, I might as well find something that I need to pick up that's going to get me into the next level or get me to the next stage. And he'd pick it up, and he moves. Genesis 47, let's take a look and see what happened to Joseph and his family. Genesis 47. We could look at Joseph's life. I could stop right now and tell you that he was thrown in jail, and you could say that's a failure. He was thrown into cistern. He was, you know, sold to the Ishmaelites, and he went to Potiphar's house, and he blew that, and he was thrown into jail, and, and now he's in jail, and it's just a failure. You could stop right there. And most of us would say, yeah, yeah, he just he just didn't make it. Chapter 47, verse 1, And Joseph went and told Pharaoh, and he said, My father and my brothers and their flocks and their herds, that they all have, have come out of the land of Canaan, and behold, they are in the land of Goshen. Let me stop right there and let me bring you up to date. He goes and he's thrown in jail, and he interprets this dream and the The cupbearer gets him out. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. We know about the seven years of good and seven years of famine. He rises up to leadership in Pharaoh. He literally saves Canaan. He literally saves the nation of Israel. God put him in a place, in a position. I'm telling you, Egypt had the wealth of the world. And it was because of Joseph. It wasn't because of Pharaoh. It was because of Joseph. So his brothers come to him. They're running out of grain and food, and they're coming to him. And he realizes it's his brothers. Hey, if you get a chance, go back and read it, because guess who bows down to him? His brothers, his mom, and his dad. They bow down to him. His dream, actually, is fulfilled. So just bringing you up to date, we've come to the point where they're coming now. He has so much favor with Pharaoh, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. He took five men from among his brothers and he presented them to, to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to his brothers, What's your occupation? So they said to Pharaoh, I guess Pharaoh had some other thoughts other than just what was for dinner. Oh, no, that was Potiphar, wasn't it? Pharaoh probably was in the same situation. And he said, We're servants and you're shepherds. Uh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and our fathers, verse 4. And they said to Pharaoh, You have come to sojourn in the land, and there is no pasture for our servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land in Canaan. Now, therefore, please let your servants live in the land of Goshen. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is at your disposal. Somebody needs to say favor. I'm telling you, it was like whatever they want. That's amazing. The land of Egypt is at your disposal. Settle your father and your brothers in the best land. Let them live in the land of Goshen. And if you know any capable men among them, put them in charge of my livestock also. (laughs) I read that. I've read that a bunch of times, and I thought, Oh, Pharaoh, you're slick. He's slick. He's like, hey, if you got any special abilities there better than what I got, put him in charge of mine, would you? You know, let me make some adjustments here for my guys, you know. that that Pharaoh, was, he was looking out for himself too there, wasn't he? He said, put him in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought his father and Jacob and presented him Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. I love this. Jacob, the patriarch of the family, is blessing Pharaoh. He had he had an anointing. He carried an anointing. The years of my sojourn are... are uh, and Pharaoh said to him, How many years have you lived? Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my sojourn are 130 few and unpleasant, but have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourn. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and he went out from his presence. Here's what the Bible says. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers, and he gave them a possession in the land of Egypt in the best of the land. I'm telling you, he just didn't give them a pea patch around the corner. He gave them the best land that Egypt had to offer. He said, in the land of Ramses, And Pharaoh had ordered, Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all, all of his father's household with food according to their little ones. What have you learned from bad experiences? We could probably take a survey here today and really come up with a great consensus of some things that we've learned from bad experiences. Joseph learned something from bad experiences. He had gone through some very difficult times. He'd gone through some highs. You've gone through some highs. He'd gone through some lows. You've gone through some lows. He's gone through some other highs. You've done the same thing. And then he went to another low, done the same thing. And now he's headed back up, and he's the head of Egypt. Nobody's greater in the land except for the king himself, Pharaoh. And all of a sudden, the blessings come upon him. He's learned something so much. There's humility. If you look back and you read back in the chapters, there's humility that Joseph has learned. I'm telling you, he had his brothers to where he could have crushed them if he wanted to. He could have got them back for everything that they had done to him when he was little. All the times they made fun of him. All the times they beat him up. All the times they ripped his favorite coat, took it off of him. He could have got them back in one time, and he didn't. He learned something from a bad experience. I think he learned forgiveness. I think he learned honor. I think he learned respect. What have you learned from bad experiences? There is something that will teach us something in a bad experience. We've all had them. Some of the things that I've learned, I know one is gratitude. I'm thankful. Even though I go through a bad experience and have a difficult day, I can learn something from it. Maybe I learned that maybe I was too prideful at times. Maybe I learned I need a little more humility. Maybe I learned I don't have it all figured out. Maybe I learned I need to have a little more compassion. Maybe I learned I needed to study more. Maybe I learned I needed to press in harder. Maybe I learned I needed to walk more by faith. Maybe I learned I need to trust God more. If you're learning and growing from bad experiences, let me just review these following questions for some of you may not have got them. Ask the following questions to yourself. Number one, what caused the failure? The situation, somebody else, or myself? What caused that? Number two, was what happened truly a failure, or did I just fall short? Maybe you were right there, ready to walk into your promised land, and you just said, you know, I decided I'm not going to do that. Number three, what successes are contained in the failure? Where's the gem in there? Where's the diamond in the rough? I've heard that terminology before. Where, where is that? Number four, what can I learn from what happened? You have got to ask yourself, what can I learn from what happened? If we have learned anything... In the last 10 years, there's been many, what some people would think was a failure. How many of you know if Jesus had a church today, most people would look at it and say it's a failure? Do you know why? He talked to over 500 people in Jerusalem, and he said, wait for me. And only 120 showed up. He had a congregation that was smaller than this one. There are people that will look at a congregation like this and say, it's, it's not big enough, it's a failure. Maybe you've had some things in your life that you've said, you know, it's a failure. What have you learned from it? What can I learn from this? We have learned, I'm telling you, we have, we have we've been through it. The last 10 years, I've learned a lot of things, and I'm thankful for that. Doesn't mean that we won't step out and maybe fall short. I don't like to use the word failure. Doesn't mean that we won't try some things and it may not work. I like to use the word experiment more. I, I like the Thomas Edison approach better than anything else. Number five: Am I grateful for the experience? Now that's that's a hard one. That's a hard one. That's been a hard one for me personally when I've done through done some things and it has not worked out. I, there's some times where, you know, I don't know if I could tell Shelley that I'm grateful for the experience and some things that we've tried and it hasn't worked out at that time. But somehow down the road, a year or two later, you can look back and go, you know what? I am kind of grateful for that experience. I'm grateful that God's kept me out of some things. I'm grateful that, you know, that I stopped when I did or if I'd have kept going, I would have run off the bridge. Number six, how can I turn this into a success? How can I take what I've learned from it and profit in the future? Profit for my next thing, my next undertaking. Number seven, who can help me with this issue? Who can I seek advice from? Who can I get some advice from? Who can I get some godly counsel from that may have gone through it, that may have failed and started over? There's been some people that have committed bankruptcy or that had to file bankruptcy. And I think some of the greatest things would be for them to get with somebody else that has done the same thing and is now a success. It's not the end of the world. You can bounce back from that. But you've got to learn some things from it. Number eight, where do I go from here? How do I turn this bad experience into a good experience? Do I learn something from this, and how can I apply what I've learned from it? Learning is defined as a change in behavior. You change your behavior. You learn something different. I think in all of this, we have to maintain a teachable heart, a teachable spirit. We've got to be eager to learn every time we fail. We've got to be eager to grow, although it's raining. You know, the the greatest time that the grass grows is usually after a rain. Mine kind of jumps up there two or three inches. If you repeatedly use your failures as a springboard to success, then you will have learned something from bad experiences. I got this written down, and it says, Don't let your learning lead to knowledge. Let your learning lead to action. Because you can know what you know and never apply what you know. I was told somebody one time, I said, there are teachers that teach, that know, that know how to teach, and there are just teachers that know. It's a gift. There are teachers that can teach what they know, and their teachers just as know what they know. I've had some, you've probably had them too, ones that you've learned a lot from, and others that you're like, how'd they get to be a teacher? But there are some that Can teach what they know, and there's some that just know what they know. So we're going to go through some bad experiences, but guess what? The sun will come out tomorrow. Guess what? We want to learn from those experiences. As you climb your mountain of transformation, as you hook up and you move forward, there's going to be some experiences that you're going to have. And I'm here to tell you tonight I want you to take some of these, and I want you to ask yourself some of these questions. And maybe some of you right now tonight are even dealing with some some problems in your life that you're dealing with right now, some bad experiences that you're in the middle of or in the midst of right now. And maybe you could take some of these and say, how am I going to learn from this? How am I going to grow from this? Because God wants us to grow from it. And Joseph... He grew from his bad experiences, and it blessed him and his family and the nation of Israel, and that's us here today. Amen? Let's give the Lord some praise because he is worthy. Amen? He is worthy. I hope tonight, I hope learning from bad experiences, I hope this, uh, this, this speaks to you tonight. I hope you're blessed. By this tonight, I hope you'll take this and apply it. If you don't take what we're learning, what we're growing, and when we're climbing our mountain, and apply it to your life, all you're doing is gaining knowledge. There's no action behind it. And faith without works is dead. We want to begin to move forward. Let me pray for you guys tonight. Father, tonight, we just uh, thank you, Lord God, for even bad experiences. I didn't know I'd ever be saying this, God, but there are times where we have had difficult times and bad experiences in every person's life here tonight. But we want to learn and we want to grow through them. We want to move forward. We want to hook up and climb together. So, God, I'm asking you to bring wisdom to those here tonight that may have dealt with failure at times, that may have dealt with some bad experiences in their life, that you'll give them strength and courage to be able to continue to move forward. And to learn and grow from those experiences. God, we want to be quick to, to listen. Quick to hear you. Quick to be obedient to what you want us to do. Now, God, I, I pray a blessing over every person here tonight. Shelly and I ask God that you'll just enrich their lives in the next days ahead. That they'll begin to say, you know what? I am more than a conqueror. They'll be able to overcome the experiences that they're going through right now. They'll be able to climb to a higher level. They'll be able to climb to a higher summit and see and experience something they would not be able to in the lower levels. So, God, I just pray a high life over them, a blessing over their lives tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.